When we think of God as our Heavenly Father, we, we think of the perfect example of fatherhood. We, we as dads can learn from the Heavenly Father, can't we? And he is also our source and our strength of wisdom. And the good news for us today is that, that the Heavenly Father can be a father to all of us, regardless of what our family experiences might be. That if you come to Christ, if you put your faith in Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can call God your Father. And he is a perfect Father. And, and you can come to him, just like we sang, you can, you can run to him and find grace there. This summer we've uh, started a, a series of messages that we've called Follow Jesus, the call to belong, to believe, and to become. And we're looking at various passages from the Gospel of Luke. Two Sundays ago, I talked to you about the call to belong, when Jesus calls Simon and James and John to belong to his group before they even come to believe, and how that's a calling, and how we can exercise that calling, even extend it to others so they can belong. We can love them into the family before they even come to believe in Christ. And then last Sunday, Pastor Paolo talked to you about the call to believe. He told you the story of the paralytic, how Jesus forgave his sins, People didn't believe that he could do that. And so Jesus said, just so that you believe that I can do that, get up, take up your mat and walk. And the man got up and walked and he believed for wholeness, for forgiveness. He believed who Jesus was and we're called to believe that as well. Today, I wanna to talk to you about the call uh, to be dads. It's a call that some of us get, not all of us get it, but some of us are called to be dads. And, and I wanna to talk to you about what that means. And even though it's gonna be directed primarily to fathers today, I believe there's something for everyone here as we open up the scriptures. So go with me to Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 11. There's this long story there uh, that I like to uh, read for us. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and killed it. kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? 
Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a beautiful story, isn't it? I don't know how many times you've heard it or read it, but every time I read it, every time I hear it, it just touches me. It's a story that many of us know as a parable of the prodigal son. Tim Keller, uh, some years ago, called it the prodigal of the lost sons because both sons in this parable are lost. I wish I had time to talk about the older son today. I'm not going to, but, but I agree with Keller about that. And we must remember that this story comes in a set of three stories about something being lost. It, there was a sheep that was lost and found. There was a coin that was lost and found. And now we have a son that was lost and is found. And I just want you to know that because the main point of this story has to do with God's heart, with the Father's heart for what is lost. The main point of this story has to do with how the Father rejoices when what is lost is found, when what was far away is brought near to him. In, in our men's ministry, uh, Brother Ruben Rojas has often told us as men that our responsibility as fathers is, is to provide, to protect, and to pastor. And, and I think he's right. And I see some of that in this story here, and I want to talk to you about that. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the joy of providing. The story begins with, there was a man who had two sons. And I just want to pause there for a moment. Because it's a short phrase, but, but we have to think about everything that happened before the younger son did what he did. There was a man who had two sons. What a blessing. It's a blessing to have one son or one daughter. It's a blessing to have two. It's a huge blessing. Can you imagine the, the father's joy when his sons were born? When he held them? When he looked at them? When he realized he was their dad? As, as someone, my wife sent me a, um, a, a video the other day where someone said, I made my own people. <laughs> I made, my little, I made little people. And, and, and to, to have the, the, the realization and the responsibility of what it means to be a dad. I, I remember my son-in-law, Haciel, and, and, and the first day, the moment that he became a dad, uh, at the end of June of 2020, my mother had passed away. And the first week of July, my daughter was due to give birth. And so um, I... My family went on to Lubbock. All of my family went to Lubbock to, to be with, with Rachel. And I went to Corpus Christi to make funeral arrangements, to conduct a funeral. The, the next day, I went to get tested for COVID in a, in a five-hour drive-through line uh, just so that I could be safe going to visit the hospital where my grandson was going to be born. And, and I got on the road to Lubbock and found out that my daughter was in labor as I was driving. And, and I got there that evening 
The rest of the family was in the parking lot. They couldn't go in because of COVID. And so uh, Hasiel, my son-in-law, would, would go in and out and he would give us updates of, of how things were developing. So we were waiting out there. And then I'll never forget the moment that uh, we were in our cars and the moment that the baby was born, Hasiel called us and said, he's been born. We went to where he was and his face, I had never seen his face glowing so much. There was elation and joy, and he just couldn't express himself. In us. And I just said to him, isn't it a good feeling? And he said, yes. He looked at me, and, and all of a sudden we connected uh, in a way that we hadn't connected before because, because we both knew the joy of being dads. And, and when we think about the joy of being a dad, it's a joy that is incomparable. It's a tremendous realization that, that you're a dad and that this little human being is entrusted to you. It's a joy that comes with responsibility. So to, to, to be called to be a dad is to be called to provide. The desire to be a provider, it's almost like a, an instinct for a dad. It's not a duty that is imposed on us. It's a privilege that is born out of joy, out of, out of knowing that we have been given this privilege. The father in this story is a provider. He had prepared an inheritance for his sons. I know the younger son asked for his share of the inheritance way before it was due, but the father had prepared it way before this younger son asked. The father had already provided for them. These two sons had everything they needed at home. The older brother had a, a place in the father's estate. In fact, all of the possessions were really his. The father reminds him of that when, when he gets bitter and he gets envious, he gets jealous about his younger brother and he thinks it's unfair. Have you ever heard that from your children? It's not fair. It's not fair. Listen to what the father says in verse 31. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. I have provided for you. This is your this is yours. One day I'll be gone, but this is yours. Jesus wants us to know that the Heavenly Father delights in providing for us. God has set aside blessings to give to you that you don't have any idea what they are. He's blessed you in the past, amen? He's blessing you today, amen? And there's more blessings to come. You, you don't know what they are, but in his time, God will give them to you. And so when we think of the Father's love, we, we should develop not an attitude of scarcity, of what we don't get, what we don't have, but an attitude of gratitude for his abundant provision. Jesus reminds us here not to be greedy like the younger son and not to be bitter like the older son. The Father rejoices in us and we ought to rejoice in him. The Father rejoices in providing for us and we should be thankful for his provision. And one of God's provisions for us is our earthly fathers. Maybe it's a biological dad, maybe it's an adopted dad, maybe it's a, a foster dad or, or, or a father figure, a spiritual dad, but they're a gift from God. God has given them to us. And so we, we rejoice with that, we, we are thankful for that. Secondly, we see the heartache of protecting. If you've been a parent for any amount of time, you know that there's a lot of joy in parenting, but there's also heartache, isn't there? There's pain in parenting. Gods understand the importance of being in that place, the hardship of that. 
Sometimes we're hurting because our children uh, are suffering, not due to anybody's choice, but, but, but just the way things turned out. Maybe it's an illness. Sometimes somebody else has hurt them and, and we hurt with them. Sometimes our children have made choices that have hurt them and we still hurt with them. And in all of that, we realize our responsibility to be protectors. We don't want them to be hurt. Sometimes they're gonna be hurt anyway. But we wanna do our best to protect them from pain, to recognize the dangers that they might be exposed to, uh, to, 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 to be vigilant about who they hang out with, what they watch on TV, but what they do on their devices, what access they have, and the internet. And sometimes our children don't like that. They, they don't like the, the rules and the limitations and the boundaries that we set. But, but we are not running in a popularity context for our children. God didn't call you to be popular with your children. God called you to protect them. Sometimes they won't like it, but we know that we do it because we love them, amen? We look at the, fathers, at the father in this story and we see that he had provided a safe place for his sons. In his home, not only did they have provision of, of food and work, but they had security and safety. They, they could be saved from those that would harm them. As long as they were under the father's protection, as long as they were in the father's house, there was safety and security but the younger son despised the protection of his father. He wanted the provision without the protection. How many times young people just wanna be free from us? They wanna be free from our rules. They don't wanna be free from our money, right? Sometimes it, you know, we're still paying their insurance or their phone bill or they're still living at home and they say, well, I'm 18, I'm an adult, you know, but they're still depending on our provision they need our provision, but they don't want our protection. And that's what the younger son wanted. So he asked for his share of the estate. Normally this would take place when the, when the father would die. So for the younger son to ask for his share of the inheritance was essentially saying to his dad, look, what belongs to me when you die, I want it now. It's almost like you're taking too long to die. I don't want to wait till you die. Just give it to me now. And in a way, in a way, he realized that asking for that, he had to have known in that cultural setting, he had to know that asking for that was asking to be disowned as a son. Was asking, was rejecting, was, was as if his father was dead to him and as if he was dead to his father. Can you imagine the father's heartache? at that question, at that request. After providing and caring and protecting all those years, after thinking of the hopes and the dreams that he had for his younger son, the estate that he was building to, to leave to his two sons and the son returns that love with rejection, with rebellion, with selfishness. He's saying to him, I want your provision, but I don't want your person. And in spite, of the, in spite of that awful pain that the father must have felt, he granted what the younger son asked for. That's an incredible display of love. 
and it talks about God's love. I, I hope you know that the father in this story is a picture of God. You know that, right? And, and when, the, when the younger son asked for his share, he didn't really deserve it. It wasn't his right to have it at this time. But that's what he wanted, and the father let him have it because he loved him. Sometimes love has to let go. True love does not manipulate, does not force. I mean, if, if, if it's four or five-year-old, you just force them, right? But when they're adult children, and they make those choices, and sometimes you just have to let go. The younger son went to a distant country. I'm pretty sure it was Las Vegas, but it doesn't say for sure. But he squandered his wealth in wild living. The estate that his father had built for years, maybe generations, maybe this was generational wealth that had been passed on, and, and this guy is wasting it, partying every day. And he runs out of money. No surprise there. Probably out of friends too. He runs out of money. The economy is really bad. And he gets hungry. And the only job that he can find is feeding pigs. Now, you got to know that that's not a great job. But even more so when you think that Jesus' audience, when he's telling this story, is Jewish. And Jews don't eat pork. Not only do they not eat pork, they think pigs are unclean animals. They, they won't even want to be in their presence, much less taking care of them or feeding them. So, so there's this sense that this, this son of a father who owns a state, who has servants, who has animals, who has cattle and livestock, is now in this distant country and he's feeding pigs. He might as well just be cleaning toilets. And he's so hungry that he wants to eat the feed that the pigs are eating. But the situation is so hard, they won't even let him do that. The pigs are eating better than he is. That's what sin does to you, isn't it? That's where you end up. It looks really pretty at first. It looks really attractive at first, but eventually, not only does the father have heartache, but the son finds himself hurting. What started out as a, a, a fun party ends up in this pathetic picture of a young man, broke, hungry, with a loss of dignity, no future, no friends, vulnerable. And the father's heart had been broken because of, of the rejection of the son, because of his greed, because that's not how he brought him up. That's not how he raised him. That's not what he taught him. But I'm sure the father's heart is also broken because he knows that his son's going to suffer. He knows that his son is going to come to a place where everything's going to run out and he's going to find himself broken. The father is convinced that one day this younger son is going to be so broken that he's going to come back home. He's going to realize what he had. He's going to realize what he lost. And we know that because the father is waiting for him. But every day that he waits, he must be hurting, he must be wondering what his son is experiencing, what he's feeling. Sometimes there's heartache in a family because fathers don't take their place as protectors. Sometimes we're remiss 
We, we don't realize the dangers that our children are exposed to and, and we're so busy doing our thing that, that, that we're not doing our job of protecting and, and there will be heartache and, and we need to wake up to that. There are some times when fathers are, are doing everything they know how to do to protect their children and the children still make the wrong choices. Just because someone chooses wrong doesn't mean that a dad is a failure. If that was true, then God would be a failure because we often choose wrong even though he does everything perfect. Sometimes we do the right thing, but our children still choose the wrong thing. I know that some of you dads here are experiencing heartache. Maybe some of you are hurting because your children made wrong choices and you, you hurt for them. You know the consequences. Some of you are hurting because you made a wrong choice and your family is suffering the consequences. Whatever it is, I want you to know this. That God knows your pain. The Father has experienced your pain and he loves you and you're not alone and there's hope as long as we have a heavenly father. How we need that comfort, how we need that love, how we need that grace that comes from the heavenly father. Let me move to our third point, the reward of pastoring. The love of, of the heavenly father never gives up even though his love is perfect, sometimes we despise it. Yet God doesn't cancel us. Aren't you glad that when we, when we do the wrong thing, we say the wrong thing, aren't you glad that God doesn't cancel you? The picture of the younger son returning home is a very moving picture. He's prepared a speech. He knows that he's given up his right to sonship and that he could never come back home and be called the son anymore. But he also knows that in, in his father's house, things are so good that even if you're a worker, he would be in a better place than he is now. So he has his speech, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son, but if you just give me a job, I'd be thankful. And, and he gets enough courage. I think the son knows something about the father's character. The son grew up at home, he, he knew how the father shepherded him, how he showed him the father's love, the heavenly father's love, how he showed him true character of a man. And, and, and the son is convinced that even though he's, he's committed something awful of rebellion and rejection and, and he's disowned his father, he knows that his father's love is enough that in spite of everything, he might give him a job. And so he starts walking home the picture of that son uh, returning home is an interesting picture. He probably lost a lot of weight. His clothes must be torn and worn out and dirty. No telling when was the last time he took a shower or had a haircut, how bad he smelled. So there's this, this pathetic figure of a son that is heading home. Listen to what happens in verse, the latter part of verse 20. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. 
Jesus tells, him, tells us that when the father saw him, he was still a long way off. Did you catch that? How can the father see his son a long way off? I'll tell you how. He was looking out for him. Every day he would come to his front porch and he wondered if that was the day that his son would come home. And maybe he didn't. And so the next day he would go again and he would look out at a distance to, to see if his son was coming home and, and, and he didn't come home and his heart remained broken and, and he did that every day. But one day, this day, when he looked at a distance, he saw his son coming. And you know what he did? Do you think that he said, oh, he better have a good speech for me when he gets here. We'll see, we'll have a good talk. I have some things for him to sign. You know what the father did? He picked up his tunic and he ran. He ran to his son. He didn't wait for the son to get home. He ran to him and he hugged him, all smelly and dirty. And he kissed him. He kissed him. And the son had his speech prepared. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy. And the father said, hey, Go get a robe and a ring and sandals. Get the barbecue pit going. We're going to have a party. The father didn't receive him back as a worker, didn't give him a job. You know what he did? He restored him to sonship. He received him back. He was dead, but he was alive again. He was lost, but he's found now. And there's a celebration. The father's heart is filled with joy all those years before the son left of shepherding, of pastoring him, of investing in his life spiritually and otherwise. Now the reward was that the son came back home. And you know that's the heavenly father's love for us. When he finds what is lost, he throws a party. When, when a sinner repents, when we turn to him, God throws a party. He celebrates. When what was lost is found, when what was dead is alive. As an earthly father, you can know that that's how the heavenly father loves you, dad. Even when we fail, even when we make mistakes, he's ready to forgive us and give us another opportunity. And more than that, he wants us to reflect his love. The Heavenly Father wants you and me, Dad, Grandpa, to reflect his love in our family. He wants us to know that when we're faithful pastoring our children, our effort is not in vain, that we will see our investment at some point, that our call is not to have perfect children. Our call is to pastor them faithfully and then to trust God. I had the opportunity to be in New Orleans this week and uh, there, there were several things that were happening there, but one of the things that really was, for me, part of, maybe the best part of, of being there was I had the opportunity to meet with younger pastors that I have related to here in McAllen or in Fort Worth, had breakfast with one, lunch with another one, dinner with another one and so on, and just hear their stories of what God is doing in their lives. And one of these young pastors that, that I met with um, 
that's, that's Israel uh, Villalobos. And I wish I had time to tell you that story, but I'm going to move on to the next story. Uh, his name is Jose Arzate and his brother Mike. Jose and Mike uh, were part of Calvary in Espanol and our student ministry here some years ago. And uh, he was the kicker for the McAllen Bulldogs football team. And he got a scholarship to, to a college in the Panhandle, in the Texas Panhandle, in Amarillo. And his, his parents, very active in our church, loved the Lord, um, you know, very involved in serving. But they, from Mexico, didn't really conceive the idea of their son moving away to the panhandle to go to college there. And, and so in, in their own understanding, they felt like their responsibility was to move up there. Well, uh, you know, Jose had a dorm and, and he had dining hall access at the university, but they had no arrangements. So they moved up there and they lived out of their car for a few weeks. And they had some cash and, and they would buy food at a convenience store and they would get by and just because they wanted to support their son, wanted to make sure that, that their son was protected and, 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 and was staying on track. And, and then they started mowing lawns and, and, and they started a lawn mowing business, finally got an apartment, moved in and continued to support and encourage and invest in their sons. Well, fast forward several years later, these, these two boys, Jose and Mike, have, have gone to seminary and are pastoring one of them is a pastor in Richardson. I don't know why we keep sending pastors to that place, but he's there. There's another one in Oak Cliff, uh, and they're, they're going for their doctorate. The dad is now, has now gotten his master's from seminary. And I thought, what an incredible story of a family. Maybe I, I, I wouldn't approve of the decisions they made, but, but here's the thing, in their heart, they wanted to pastor their children. And now God has rewarded them to see the joy of that investment and of that sacrifice. Not all stories end that same way, but we know that when we invest spiritually in our children, it's never in vain. When dad models in word and action what it means to follow Jesus, it is an investment that only God knows what the fruit of it will be in his time. Pastoring our children is rewarding. The Heavenly Father provides, protects, and pastors us. And he expects us to do the same thing. He rejoices with us. He rejoices in providing for us. Sometimes his heart breaks when we turn away from him. But he receives us back with open arms when we return. And we can rely on his love today. Wherever you are in your journey as a dad, as a mom, as a child, you can rely on the love of the Heavenly Father. Today, we are thankful for dads who provide, who protect, who pastor. Because as we do, we discover grace and we dispense grace. Thank you, God, dads, for providing joyfully, for protecting sometimes painfully, and for pastoring expectantly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story of the lost sons and the loving father. Thank you for who you are and what you called us to be in you. I pray that today we might respond to your word with faith and surrender that 
Father, is there someone here who, who can't call you Father yet because they haven't trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, that today they would come to the place of conviction in their heart to trust you for forgiveness, to run to you like the prodigal son and to be received because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of his resurrection from the grave. Father, if there's someone here who needs comfort and assurance, who's hurting, would you allow them to trust you in that process? If there's a dad here who's struggling to, to get his bearings, to figure out how to do what he needs to do, Father, would, would you lead them to you? Would you draw them to you? If there's someone here, Father, who has given their back to you and is hurting because they're in a distant country spiritually, may today they begin their journey back home. May they know that as they begin to step in your direction, that you will run to them and you will hug them and you will kiss them and you will restore them because of your grace. Father, whatever the commitment, the decision, let your spirit move in our hearts even now. It is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.